The following episode is the first of hopefully several conversations with the gentlemen of Footy Travelers. Their names are Colin and Mike. They are people with whom I have forged a friendship over the internet, as is the case with so many people that I have become friends with in the soccer community. That's why I create content to connect with you all. The hope is eventually to meet everyone in real life. For Colin and Mike, that could have happened in Doha. They were there at their fourth Men's World Cup. They did South Africa, Brazil, Russia, then Qatar. And they're currently in New Zealand slash Australia for the Women's World Cup. I know I mentioned it at some point in the episode. I highly recommend you follow them on Instagram, at Footy Travelers. This is their first Women's World Cup, so I have every intention of checking back in with them as the tournament progresses and talking about the experience. Content like theirs is super valuable for anyone who wants to travel to something like the World Cup. And they do a great job of maximizing a trip like that. So what I've seen so far from their time in New Zealand is that they are having an absolute blast and I'm very jealous of them. But this is my podcast and until they come back on to tell us how the trip is going, I want to take a moment to talk about the time that I went to Australia and New Zealand when I was 14 or 15 years old. I always tell everyone it was a girl's trip, my mom, my older sister Kelsey, my younger sister Mackenzie, but it was actually the friend of a friend of my mom's. My mom taught elementary school. There was a high school teacher who usually did EF tours for students and because of that connection decided to put on an EF tour for some of his high school age kids and then some of his friends and their families. The group was actually quite small. It was maybe 15 to 20 people, but my mom signed up and she took the three of us daughters. I went bungee jumping in Rotorua. I went scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef. I remember there being boys that I had crushes on because, of course, there were boys my age whose parents also brought them on this trip. It felt like camp, and yet it wasn't camp because my mom was there. It was such an interesting experience, and among the many cities and countries across the world that my parents so graciously took us to when we were younger, that I, for the longest time, kind of had crossed off my list because I did it. But I've realized since that experiencing those things as a teenager or as a preteen is so different than going yourself as an adult. And do you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to dig up some of the photos from that trip. That was like, what, 2004, 2005? Way back in the day. Um, I'm going to dig those up and maybe post them on Instagram in conjunction with the release of this podcast. You're welcome in advance. (laughs) I have listened to a lot of y'all's episodes, actually. One thing I really appreciate about the content you provide is that it comes from the same place that mine does. Tell me, the both of you, tell me about your approach to the content that you're creating as footy travelers. I think the name kind of suggests that there's really, you know, two parts to it. There's the footy part, and then there's obviously the travel part. And just because, you know, alphabetical order seems to work well with our name, we'll, we'll start with the footy stuff. You know, Mike and I are huge 
soccer fans. And, um, you know, I think we still play casually as amateurs. Um, we played together in college uh, at Loyola in Baltimore for our club team uh, at that school. Basically, we discovered, you know, a shared love for being fans and being spectators. Uh, and, you know, I think there is a bit of a difference there. You know, spectators just kind of watching and fans really engaging uh, with their experience. But we decided back in 2009, 2008, 2009, somewhere in that range, while we were both post-college teaching uh, in Bangkok, Thailand. We decided that we wanted to, after that year's experience, continue this shared uh, adventuring wherever we could in the world for soccer. Um, traveling for the sport, going to games. Obviously, you know the year probably suggests 2009, the year I, the, <laughs> and we're, we're just old. out of college. I don't know <laughs> uh, if we're publishing this online or YouTube, um, but you can probably see some of the gray hair already setting in on both of our faces. Um, we'll put it on the cover of the episode yeah, for sure. But that next year, <laughs> 2010, the World Cup, the Men's World Cup, was being hosted in South Africa. So we made plans to do our first joint uh, trip together for the World Cup in South Africa. And that's kind of where um, the journey started and where some of our fan experience content ideas, you know, maybe originated. Um, and we've just kind of progressed from there. Um, and again, we, I can regale you with the whole tale of how we went beyond that world cup to where we are now, but I'll let Mike jump in for some more background as well. Well, I would, I was going to say Colin and I were, you know, big soccer fans. We obviously played in college, like you mentioned, but we were playing while in Thailand as well and going to like the Thai national stadium to see the team play. And, and really like we were um, submerged into that culture, even though they didn't have a massive soccer culture. And then once we got our first bite of what World Cup spectacle it is, uh, we were hooked. We just yeah. we haven't stopped. I love this kind of content because it's how I approach what I do. It really can overwhelm some folks to be going at that alone, booking the flight, the hotel, the tickets, et cetera, et cetera. So talk to me about y'all's approach for Doha last year from inception to experience let me let me add a small preface to that because i think what you touched upon is actually sort of the the very early stages of colin and i's ideation of this podcast was we were meeting a lot of people when we traveled and we had all these amazing shared experiences and then we'd come back home and people were like how do you do that like <laughs> you're going to these world cups yeah. like where do you even start the question around how do you get tickets is the number one question I feel like I get from people who have never done it. Yeah. Right. While we were in Russia and that was our third world cup, we felt like we were okay. We were pretty experienced and we were kind of thinking, how do we help people do this? Because it's such an amazing experience. And now you've been to Qatar and you've seen the world cup atmosphere. It's just like the whole thing is just one big party. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of brainstorming, like, do we put out like a blog or do we, you know, just help people out? Cause we had along the way, you know, given some advice to people, but it wasn't formal in any way. And so as you mentioned, the, the need to know series that we put together within the podcast, that was really one of the roots of why we wanted to do it was to help people get a chance to know that this is very accessible. It's very easy to do. 
and be part of this community that is like people that travel for the World Cup because it is unlike anything else we've ever experienced. So I would just say that as preface to us going to Qatar and how different it was from all the other World Cups that we've been to. But Colin's the planner. He's he is the uh, the mastermind for a lot of it. So I'll let him speak to like some of the ways that we coordinated Qatar yeah. and how it pivoted into our yeah. responsibility. And I'll, well I'll probably add there. a little bit of a preface myself too, and say that our approach to Qatar was informed by our previous experiences with Russia and then Brazil and South Africa, as well as right. the um, how do I say this? Um, just how how different our finances were um, when we were starting off in 2010, uh, and now that we're you know I'd say yeah. uh, this is going to hurt to say middle aged men adults. Uh, adults yeah but all that to say you know I'll start with South Africa and we had no idea what we were doing we were actually uh, it was None. us and at least two other people who were committed to going uh, we wound up as a group of four so we had four ticket applicants that were putting their names into the lottery and going into the first come first serve phase. Um, we wound up with a bunch of tickets. I think Mike, we went to at least nine games each. Uh, you might've gone to one extra, uh, after yeah. getting a ticket in South Africa. So we were thrilled. I mean, I was in yep. the country for six weeks. I was teaching it again at the time. So I had my summer off. Um, so it's very easy for me to stay and, and do all that. So come to Brazil 2014, it was, it seemed very easy to get tickets for South Africa. Uh, Mike and I had a, pl because it was, because <laughs> there yeah, was not nearly true. as much the inventory was high. So we took a little less, uh, I guess, frantic, um, or panicked approach to Brazil. And we said, oh, well, let's get, um, USA Germany, which was the last game of the group stage. Um, and we got an Italy Uruguay game, uh, which was the game, the yeah. infamous game that um, Suarez bit Chiellini. Yes. So we were there for that. Although not the only time he bit someone, even that no, year. No, no, no. He's <laughs> no. had problems for a while. Wild. Right for the rest of Brazil, we thought, oh, well, let's just go and we'll try to get tickets when, well, when we get there. So we went to Rio stayed with a buddy who was living there um, for a grad school program. And while we're in Rio, we're asking around, Hey, the game coming up on, we'll call it a Tuesday. Are there any extra tickets? Oh yeah, sure. I can sell you some. These tickets were for games involving teams like Chile and Argentina, other countries from South America where they were very easily traveled. Their fan base was huge and obviously very passionate. We know that already. So they were asking for 600, 800 US dollars for these, you know, resale tickets, Scott, these scalped tickets. Those are inner Miami yeah. prices now. The messy effect <laughs> was, uh, was real. We kind of priced ourselves out of more games in Brazil by not getting tickets early, um, through FIFA. So I think we only went to two or three games in Brazil, which is still a lot, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I should, I feel like I should tell everyone around me when we had our conversation and I said I went to 19 matches in Doha, I've said it so many times that it almost sounds a little bit more normal. For the record, going to like two World Cup games that's massive, yeah. is insane. That's it's I, awesome. Thank you. Cause that, yeah, that puts it in perspective. You're, you're totally right. Yeah. So lesson learned in Brazil, try to be a little more prepared. Um, so the pendulum kind of swung. Uh, now we're finding ourselves kind of settling in the middle come Russia. Well, of course, you know, the U.S. is not in it. So our approach to games takes um, a more geographic uh, approach. 
you know, we tell ourselves, let's just go to Moscow. Let's go to St. Petersburg. You know, let's go to the, those major cities in Russia. That's all we'll do. We won't have to hustle and bustle following a team somewhere. Um, we're trying to see the maximum amount of cities because I mean, we all know Russia as the biggest, cause you know, it's the largest <laughs> geographically the right. huge. That really allowed us to kind of lock into both places, make friends. And I would say genuine friends with some other fans along the way, or, um, kind of feel like we were locals for at least five days. I mean, there was a particular bar that we kept um, returning to in St. Petersburg. The bartenders started to know our names. We knew them. We hung out with them after they closed kind of stuff. And then Qatar comes around. And now, of course, we all know the opportunity for as many games as you could possibly cram into your schedule, you know, pops up. The U.S. was back in it. So we had some priorities and loyalties there. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Colin's <laughs> watching over a very key part of this story, which is Colin was putting his foot down. We went, oh, we went through a yeah. a rough patch where Colin informed me that he was not going to be going to the World Cup in 2020. Like in 99% definitive. I am not go. I'm not doing this. We talk about it on um, one of our episodes in terms of why we decided to go to Qatar. And we both were incredibly torn um, regarding just the morality of it and how so many big brands were boycotting it and how teams were considering not going. Because as we forget, because the World Cup came and went, there was a lot of questions as if it was ever going to happen in Qatar. And Colin, being the morally... Um, sound and devout, devout man uh, that he is. Uh, and principled, we'll say principled. Yeah, yeah. Not that Mike is not. Yeah, he's principled. That's 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 fair. When Qatar was selected, we both were sort of like, "Really? Are we going to do this? Like, do we want to do this?" And then when the U.S. didn't make it in 2018, and they made it, and we're like, they had a chance to make it in 2022. We're like, we can't not see them play. Yeah. Yeah. And like you know, what we believe in, in terms of the, the injustices that happened in, in Qatar and still do. And, and we had to kind of put those aside in some way to sort of be a little selfish. And we, I kind of talk about how coming off of COVID, I hadn't seen live football in a while. And like, I was really needing it. Yeah, I actually remember in that episode, I think Colin, you made mention that FIFA doesn't own soccer. And that this is something that has brought you guys so much joy and so many other people so much joy that to not participate in it also came with concessions mm -hmm. of their own. And I, I know that you guys were far from the only people who had these thoughts and yet still participated. I do really appreciate the conversation that you guys had about it and recommend, to be honest, I think... All of y'all's episodes are timeless, by the way. And that conversation I thought was a very a, a very good one to have and to make public for people in your community. And it's also one I highly recommend listening to even, even months later. Well, thank you for saying that. That's very, very kind of you. Um, definitely would echo your observation of the opinion. It's an opinion, but I would love to call it a fact. FIFA does not own the global game of soccer as much as they like to lay claim to that. And the really the other clinching aspect for me was, you know, I, I've been a player before 
I, I never came close to playing for my country's national team, but, um, you know, I, I tried to put myself in their shoes as, you know, as a fan picturing myself as a player, if I went to this tournament that had all the controversy around it, surrounding it on behalf of my country, kind of cause I had to, you know, my federation is telling me that my team is playing in this tournament. Once the players committed to going and the team was going and participating, I just kind of felt like I needed to go and support them. Uh, and their experience in doing that. Um, I think t that Tyler Adams interview uh, with the Iranian uh, reporter. Yeah. yeah. I think that was just like a good reflection of how the players are more than just players. They're human beings who are also dealing with international issues, uh, maybe even more so because they're in the limelight. Yeah. I just felt like they deserved that support. And between that, realizing, you know, Mike's arguments for certain things, you know, we, uh, we committed to Qatar eventually, obviously we've been having honest discussions when we talk about our synopsis of what we felt like the world cup in qatar was like we didn't sugarcoat it we didn't we, we weren't shy about the areas we felt that they did poorly and we weren't shy about it where we felt they did a good job we were honest about it and i think that's part of why in retrospect our decision to go gave us a better perspective of what our take on a, as a fan yeah. going could be like. And, and the beauty of it was we were able to enjoy, you know, another event together and, and meet a lot of people that shared the same sentiment as us is like, you know, our family was kind of upset. We were going to this, or I was really torn about going because of it. And it's like gaining those perspectives and meeting more people just added more value to what we were doing. This could be a commercial break with a reputable brand, and one of those days we will get there. But for now, it's me deciding that you need a mental break from this conversation. So let's pivot and I'll tell you what I've been up to for the past couple of weeks slash months. We'll start with a recent trip I took to Austin, Texas for five days at the end of June. They were hosting Dallas on a Wednesday and Houston on a Saturday. I absolutely love working with Austin's media team. They are incredibly accommodating and are just so happy to share the atmosphere and the brand and themselves with me. I set aside some time to check out 4ATX, their community foundation, went and looked at some mini pitches that they put in the community with US soccer. I'm currently editing that vlog, so my hope is to have it out soon. I also just recently survived MLS All-Star, which was in Washington, D.C. this year, and I had the opportunity to do some content with World Soccer Shop. If you want to support me in that endeavor, please go follow them on Instagram or on TikTok. It's at WRLD Soccer Shop. I think that's all for now, so I'll let you get back to the show. What are some of the other things that you guys consider the most memorable or significant part of that trip? Qatar specifically? Yeah. I mean, we talked about my experiences there, just also it being my very first World Cup. So so, so many of the things that I, I experienced were just completely new to me. But as it compares to the other ones you've been to, what, what made it particularly unique beyond geography? I, I think I have two kind of answers to that. And the first one's obvious. Um, most memorable moment was seeing the US play again. And this, this, the second answer actually might help answer your very first question about the travel aspect uh, and kind of how we go about doing what we do or why we do what we do. 
for me, the most memorable part of the experience in Qatar was how, I guess, like, I'm going to sound kind of snotty, but like unimpressed I was with <laughs> just, yeah, you know, it's kind of laughable. You know, the fact that they built a city in no, the middle you're of the right. desert. You're right. Cool. I, like I've been to Vegas before. Uh, there's a lot of shiny things. It's really hot. They put on a great show. Like I, I genuinely enjoyed my time there um, because I was uh, inundating myself with so much soccer, so much international football at a high level. I also think because of how maybe unimpressed you were by Doha, it gave way for a lot more participation in the actual tournament. Yeah. For me, that's kind of how it was. We weren't like missing out on a lot of really cool tourist things to do because there wasn't a lot of really cool tourist things to do, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I spent one af well, two afternoons, I guess. Um, I went to the Islamic uh, Museum of Islamic Art, the MIA, and then Mike and I did the National Museum together another day. And as far as I was concerned, walked along Corniche. Walked along the Corniche. I, I got my fill of the the cultural aspects. You know, we went to Sukhwakif. Um, we went to these places. We saw them, but they just weren't terribly unique. Um, you know, I, I think back to my experiences going to Chattachek Market in Bangkok. Um, if you want to talk about like, you know, cultural experiences at markets, uh, that's really um, pretty intense um, and fun. Mike's nodding his head in agreement there. It's one of my uh, we, favorite places in the world. Yeah. I just wasn't terribly struck by anything other than the fact that maybe there was way more alcohol available than everyone made it out to be before the tournament. So. I yeah, that's very true. I think the thing that was maybe most surprising to me or... I guess maybe the takeaway is most memorable is the obvious attempt to convey a type of culture that Qatar was trying to convey that they were a soccer culture. They aren't that they were a powerhouse in the world, you know, nation in a process of nation building. They're just sports washing. There was just a lot of facade and I think one of the, if I, if I can take one small anecdote, it was like all of the dancers to the opening ceremony match that were in the Qatar maroon, then filed in behind the goal and were the fan section. And they were like doing chants and, and doing all of these amazing, you know, some of the most coordinated fan support chants and all of this stuff. And you're like, dang, these guys have like it together. And then as we are meeting more and more people that are wearing, you know, Qatar jerseys and stuff like that, it was all fake. Like one guy's like, oh, I'm a Qatar ultra. Oh, really? Like how long have you supported the club? Uh, I'm from Jordan and I just, I, they gave me this jersey. Cracked so fast. <laughs> right. Like we couldn't meet true Qatari fans. Um, this Women's World Cup that's happening in both New Zealand and Australia, two fantastic places, um, places I would highly recommend anyone visit. What are you most looking forward to about those two locations as a part of the travel you guys have planned coming up? I think Mike and I can provide two, um, I wouldn't say very different answers, but um, two very different perspectives. Due to the fact that um, this will be, I think, my third time to New Zealand and fourth time to Australia. So I'm actually really excited 
to show Mike some of the places uh, my wife and I have been together, some places I've been by myself. Uh, this is also Mike and my first, no, sorry, last inhabitable continent that we have to travel to together. Um, wow. We need to get like some type of ring or, or some type of band for each other, you know, to really watch this. <laughs> yeah. such a moment. I heard they only have one ring in New Zealand and it was uh, burned in mortar. The one to rule them all, yes. <laughs> I'm I'm excited for Colin for that because I know that he is an excellent tour guide and the majority of the stories that I've heard from both countries have been from him and and just how amazing the country is and so I'm I'm excited about the tourist part of it as a contrast to how I was such such a minimal tourist of Qatar. Someone asked me that same question you just asked me, which was which was the highlight of my time in in the World Cup in 2022, and I said Oman. <laughs> Oman was a side trip that I did afterwards and it was absolutely amazing. And I would go back in a heartbeat. I don't know if I'd say the same for Qatar, but honestly, my, I'm excited about the tourism part. I'm really excited about seeing the women's game more closely and being at a world cup that is less of a sausage fest. Um, hopefully that doesn't turn into an explicit uh, content uh, warning on this podcast episode. I don't warn anyone. I, mean, I just let them like, <laughs> I let them go in blindly. Themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I even just yell randomly. So they're like, oh, geez, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it is, it is very male centric when it goes to the men's world cup. And I think the atmosphere and the tourism is just going to be different in so many ways. And so I'm excited to just sort of get that take on it because Colin and I have been trying to get more, you know, as it's very clear and obvious, we are two white men traveling around the world. We are very privileged in that regard and being able to speak with women who are also fans of the sport or travel and get their perspective on the things that they have to deal with. And, and you've added a lot of really good perspective and told us about your experiences traveling as a woman. I think this is going to be a really eye-opening experience for us just it being our first women's world cup and, and also adding credibility. So many people look at the banner that we have and it's like, we've been to South Africa, Brazil, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, where's France? Yes, well, skipped why over why didn't you go yeah. to any of the women's and better late than never, I guess. But this is a great opportunity for us to, to be able to meet a very different type yeah. of uh, fan. If we're still talking about some of the tourism stuff, you know, um, having been there, I'll just, given some plugs for some spots in New Zealand and Australia, but I'm, you know, really excited to do, uh, the Tongariro Alpine crossing or the TAC as a, a hike in the Taupo area on the North Island. So if your listeners are curious about little travel tips and getaways from the main cities of Auckland or Wellington or Christchurch, um, check Taupo out. I actually spent a good three or four months living and working there. Um, last time I was there. So, and then, you know, Marlboro wine country. We'll, uh, we'll come onto the South Island and just uh, kind of slow down the pace from the first two group games and have a nice relaxing couple of days there. Yeah. So, um, we'll move on to Australia, do the Great Ocean Road, check out some penguins, maybe some koalas and, and roos, as they call them. Mm-hmm. Perth. Never been to Perth. I don't know if anyone listening has ever been to Perth. It's probably one of the most isolated cities in the world. Tough to get to. Head out there before Sydney and hopefully see the U.S. women in the final uh, at Stadium Australia. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. That all sounds amazing. I think the uh, appeal there too is seeing seeing teams that are really 
starting to come into their own on a national stage as well. I'm plugging Meg Reyes's Between Two Worlds podcast about the Philippines women's national team. Listen to that. Thank you for plugging that. I, I was very much interested and, and gave it a listen. It seems so cool. Yeah, I mean, I am. I was thinking about this the other day, the, the possibility of seeing my country win a World Cup live in the stadium like that that energy that i you know again fingers crossed obviously don't want to count your chickens before the eggs hatch but just just the just the possibility of that um when yeah watching the women's game versus the men's game at least as a usa fan um and comparing those energies and, and that excitement is is really really awesome to think about thank you so much for this conversation i am really looking forward to hearing about how things go for you guys at the women's world cup before I let you go, please tell my listeners where we can find you on the internet and see all the things that you're going to be up to. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I'd say the best place to keep up with us is going to be on Instagram. I think that's where we'll be the most active. It's kind of the easiest to update and uh, get content out there to people who want to, I think, like you mentioned, just kind of experience what it's like to be a fan at a World Cup at this particular Women's World Cup uh, in these two particular countries. So we'll be doing you know daily things there for sure. Um, and if you want to keep up with the podcast, you can find the Footy Travelers podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. So and the Instagram handle is at footy travelers and we're slowly dabbling into TikTok. I'm working Mike's my way in charge of TikTok that world. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Uh, we have very similar shared interests and passions for, for the game, for travel, for fandom. And we are just really lucky to be able to connect with you and, and, Thank you for joining our pod and, and, and being a, a part of that as well and telling your story. And we'll happily give you a, a live update from uh, down under if, if need be. We can jump on a call and see how things are going. Yeah, 